0: Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Welcome by Travel Like a Boss podcast.
1: I love it. So before we uh, begin this week's episode, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving uh, all these amazing reviews on iTunes and everywhere else. Uh, this week I want to acknowledge RJ Ramirez He said, love this podcast, pinged on this one for a month from the beginning to the latest episode back in 2017, been listening since Johnny has inspired me to pick it up and move forward with my life, business relationships, the whole nine yards. Thanks Johnny. If you want to know about the digital nomad world, travel life business, check it out here, Ruben. Thanks Ruben and enjoy this week's episode. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 195 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here in Pokhara, Nepal with Maria DeWitt. Welcome to the show. Hi, welcome. So uh, I met Maria here at the hostel that we're staying at and she's had a really interesting story. Uh, not only has she already completed the Everest um, base camp trek as well as a bunch of other trekking there, but... She's actually been basically traveling the world for free. Not only as actually, not just for free, she's getting paid to travel the world as a guide. How did, um, how did all this start? Like, did you, did you always travel a lot as a kid or what made you start traveling so much?
0: Um, so not really. I'm a, I'm a farmer's girl. So, uh, my parents, uh, they never traveled and, I know it started actually with my exchange to Australia and so I lived there for like seven months and yeah what I did was just travel around Australia and New Zealand and I fell in love with traveling and the people I meet and just the adventures you go on and it's awesome like yeah um, that's how I fell in love and then had to go back home and I was like oh I need to do this more often and yeah that's how it started really.
1: So this exchange in Australia, uh, was it for school or were you working there?
0: Uh, so it was for school, for university. It was, uh, yeah, uh, at the Monash University in, uh, Melbourne. So yeah, it was just a great adventure. And, um, that made me fell in love with the world. Like apart from Holland, I've been to European countries, but well, um, there's so much more than just, uh, Europe.
1: I think it's funny because half the listeners in this podcast are American, and our our dream is to travel in Europe. And the idea of living somewhere like Holland, where you can literally just drive for, what, two hours and be in another country, it sounds so cool to us. Do you think that because you're from there, it's a little bit less exotic or less exciting to you know, drive to Switzerland or drive to um Germany, you know, these places that most Americans dream about?
0: Well, so I have traveled quite a lot within Europe and I do think it's awesome. Like we, we if we go out for like three days or we go on a, a weekend trip or so, we could just go to like uh past three countries and I don't know, like uh, have a good time there. And it's always, uh, always funny, yeah, that you have like different languages and and different cultures and I, I really, uh, really adore it. So, but I suppose in America, the culture doesn't differ as much within such a small diff- like distance. Um, but I've, I've never been to America, so I could see, say the same about America, I suppose. Like, uh, that it's some sort of, I don't know, uh, wonderful world where everything's uh, awesome, but I don't know. I'll have to find out this summer.
1: Yeah, so actually from I haven't even traveled that much in the US. I've been to a few places like, you know, Las Vegas or New York, but really I haven't done a road trip through it. I haven't really explored the US as much as a lot of backpackers that I've met here actually. You know, I think a lot of travelers that go to the US because it's such a pain in the ass to get the visa and to fly there. They end up seeing a lot more during their short, you know, three months than I have my whole life in the U.S. But you're very lucky. Where this summer, not only are you going to get to go to the U.S., you're actually getting paid to go to the U.S. How did that work?
0: Um, well, so I have a, a job in mm. in guiding. And I, I show, uh, Dutch people around in other countries and I did Europe last summer and now I'm heading towards the US. And yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Like we're gonna be in groups of like 20 people and get, uh, some cars and just drive around. And there's some sort of itinerary, of course, I have to, uh, follow, but. Yeah, it's it's just just a road trip with uh twenty like strangers, but it's gonna be great fun, and um yeah, you get very close as a group. So we're gonna explore that beautiful country, and then which is called America.
1: So when you first <laughs> mentioned that you're gonna be guiding in the U.S. and then you mentioned that you've never been there, I was kind of scratching my head and wondering like, why would somebody want a guide that? You know, isn't like a local, you know, like, like, for example, you know, if I go somewhere and I get a tour guide, I normally kind of expect them to live there or be like a local. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I guess maybe more than that, they want a person that can speak their language, they can speak Dutch, but also speaks good English and if anything they just want someone who's responsible for the planning and the itinerary because when people are on vacation they just want to relax and enjoy themselves they don't want to do the planning they don't want to do the navigation why why do you think people hire a guide why do you think they they want someone like you
0: Mm, so it's more like a factor of stability i suppose um they just want someone that takes care of them and that they're ensured to have a, like, a good time. And whenever they don't, they could just tell me in their own language. Um, and, and I'll have to take care of whatever it is. Like, it could also be frustrations within the group. Like, you're with 20 strangers, so you don't know. You might not get along with some, um, so, you might just 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 not want to share a room with one or another and yeah um i'm i'm the that person I'm that person that can fix all their problems and um make their holiday like a very relaxed and a very much fun holiday and um so i'm not necessarily a guy to tell them about their culture um even though after like i'm gonna have several groups there um so after some time i'll know more about the the surroundings and and the culture itself but they'll find out anyway even without me they'll they'll experience it and they'll they'll probably talk to locals as well and but the holidays they're mainly focused on like um nature and not necessarily about the American culture itself like the people.
1: So I'm curious in uh, past groups, has there been any like adult babysitting you needed to do or anything kind of funny that you had to uh get in between?
0: Um yes, so I've had quite some people that have like a slight form of autism. Um so I've had Girls crying in the bus because uh, the music was too loud, even though it wasn't actually loud. And I've uh, had girls that started crying because the girls next to them were laughing too loud or whatever. Um, and I've had many, many weird ass experiences, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, it is babysitting, and you want to sort of uh avoid the fact that they form groups like uh, separate groups and and leave people out you so you want to sort of create a coherent group uh, like one team but there are always some cases that you uh, sometimes you just need to leave them alone or do let them do their own thing and and they're fine but yeah it's also a babysitting job it's all kinds of jobs within one uh, one job so
1: so everybody is Dutch. Uh, is it both male and female or, or, or do the guys just not cry? And, and what age range are they?
0: Um, so it's young adults. Um, the, the holidays I offer or my company offers is, uh, young adults from 18 to 35. Um, and it's mainly like, well, not necessarily single as they don't have a relationship, but they just travel, uh, solo. But sometimes we have like brothers or like friends or want to go together, and uh, they're like active holidays, so you need to be some sort of fit. Uh, so, so that's pretty much the the range we're going for, and um, yeah, so far it has been great. Like most people, like uh, starting or, or like 20, 25, as opposed to the biggest group, and they're always male and female, so, and most of the time it's fifty fifty more or less. But I've had cases that there were only two girls or two guys and but it always differs and it's always fine you know
1: That actually sounds like the the perfect scenario for like relationships to happen did you see uh any romance spark or any like uh any drama from that
0: uh so yeah 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 i've've officially I'm not allowed to talk to my 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 people anymore after they've, they've traveled with my company but I have heard via other channels that, that um, that there are actually yeah relationship that that still lasts, like even though it's been two years they're still together, and uh but there's always some drama as well, like oh they kissed last night, and now they don't wanna share a room, and I don't know there's always always things going on, but and I've always had sometimes um I've had uh uh I, I found out after afterwards that 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 there was some sort of relationship going on and it didn't dare to tell me and all that like uh but but it's 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 good fun it's always funny to find out how people end up together yeah
1: yeah i could definitely see that and it actually <laughs> sounds really fun so i wonder wherever you guys are from if there is a a version of this um Especially because it's nice that it combines a lot of nice things, like solo travel, so you don't have to wait for your friends to have a vacation or holiday. It's nice that it's a mixed group of guys and girls, Uh, and it's nice that it's based on adventure travel and not just you know sightseeing or um, like a like normal holiday package. Like, where have you been? on these tours what have you done
0: um so i've been to slovenia um last year and we did like heaps of activities there mainly water focused, so canyoning rafting uh, via ferrata, um some sort of balayak um yeah all those kind of crazy um uh, water sports and i've been to sweden and that was more um more relaxing, more like horse riding, canoeing, and uh, just uh, enjoying the scenery with walks and all that. And I did Ireland as well, and that was more like a-, a road trip as well. So we traveled through the country, did a day hike up a mountain. We did like whiskey tasting and uh, things like that. And that was amazing as well. And Yeah.
1: So I'm assuming that during these trips, are they paying? Is the company paying for all your like hotel and food accommodation? Are they flying you there?
0: Um. So yeah, they they do pay for most of my expenses. It depends per trip what exactly uh, exactly they pay for. Sometimes I had to pay for if I wanted to join an activity. Um, I had to pay for that or, um, like um, food wise, I I often. Uh, go to a restaurant and say, oh, I okay, have 20 people waiting outside. Um If you give me free food, I'll give you 20 people. And they often say yes. And if they don't, I'll go to the restaurant next door until they say yes. So, well, That that's how I arrange my free food. And the accommodation is taken care of by the company. So I don't have a lot of expenses, just just tiny, tiny ones like my own expenses and maybe a bottle of water on the way or some things like that. That's actually
1: really smart the, about the, the food hack. I used to do that with scuba diving. If I had a, if I was organizing a group of, um, friends or travelers that, and I can get like six or eight people to go scuba diving, Mm -hmm. I would just email them and just say, Hey, you know, uh, I'm a dive master. I have a group of eight coming. You know, can I dive for free? And half the time they're like, Yeah, you know, that's fine. And they don't even ask me to guide. They just like, (laughs) just have me go anyways. Uh, or they usually give me like some kind of discount or something. So. I think that's a a nice travel hack. Uh, What what other travel hacks have you picked up along the way?
0: Um, So it's pretty much the same thing. Like you could do it with anything. Um, So with food, with I don't know, or a place to stay or certain activities like um i don't know if you needed a guide for anything or an activity that wasn't like the official itinerary of the of the company and uh like they still have the freedom to sometimes they've got like a day off and they can choose whatever whatever they want to do and yeah you could do the same so uh for instance like if you want to go to the columbia ice fields in in uh in canada you could say like oh i'll i'll have bring this 20 people up and um yeah, it'd be cool if I, if I could come along and, and, and guide these people, but I'm not expecting to pay. And um, yeah, things like that. I don't know. Like, It's mainly just getting the, the free stuff. <laughs> but it's it's been pretty good, though.
1: Yeah, I like it. Actually, even here uh, in Nepal, it's pretty like a normal, common thing that when you're go when you on the trek and you stop by a tea house at night, that you say to them, uh, if I have dinner and breakfast here, can I have the room for free? Because they really make the money from the meals and you eating there and not going somewhere else. But at the same time, the rooms are normally only like $3. So sometimes I actually feel like I don't even want to bother to ask. But I just kind of feel like it's kind of part of the the culture that I feel like I should, you know. Like, what was your, your experiences with that?
0: So it's pretty much the same, yeah. Like, uh, you you don't want to be cheap because you don't, don't want to pay, like... Or you don't want to feel like you're you're not giving them any any money, or want to exploit them in any way. But yeah, that's just how it goes here. And I suppose I'm gonna spend the money here anyway, but then in a different way. So I do support the economy economy anyway. In like if if I've got those three dollars of the room left over, I'll spend it. Uh, via an activity or uh, I'll eat some more somewhere else. So overall, I'll spend it in Nepal anyway, because I have some sort of budget. So yeah, one way or another, uh, I'll spend it. And I guess it's just the way, way everyone does it here. So I guess they expect it too. So
1: yeah, if anything, I think because they expect it, that they just raise the prices of food. So it's kind of just evens out anyways. And to be honest, like for me personally, at least. Whenever they do agree to the free room, I end up ordering dessert, like an apple pie, or I end up ordering like three, like, you know, chai marcello teas or something. So my bill ends up being the same. I just kind of, uh, end up just having extra anyways. Like, what were some of your favorite things to, to eat? What were your go-to things to eat on the track?
0: So on the track, of course, Dalbat, because Dalbat is 24-hour power. It's great. It's, it's, it's massive. Like, you've been trekking for so long and you wanna, like, you wanna have proper food when you, when you made it to your tea house and, uh, and it's just unlimited. Like, they keep asking if you want more rice or, uh, more vegetables or anything. And you could just fill up completely and then be all ready for the next day. Uh, so for sure that's, that's, like, one of my favorites is Um Can you
1: explain what Dalbat is?
0: Oh, Dalbat. So that's, like, a, a plain rice, just plain rice with some lentil soup, um, a curry, uh, some sort of, um, I don't even know how they call it, but, um, like, spinach kind of mix. Um, sometimes they put, like, a... A spicy sauce with that and yeah the curry consists out of either potatoes or cauliflower or it's like a mix of vegetables and uh, some very very nice spices and officially you have to mix it all together but I just always pour the lentil soup right on top of the uh, rice and, um, and have it like uh, separately pretty much uh, but it's so good though like yeah I can never have enough and even though I trekked for a long time I can still eat dabat and uh one of my other favorite things is masala tea, like the chai tea. It's great it's um normally I don't drink sweet tea, but here um you need your sugars, you know, and um, uh, yeah, I-, I love the chai tea, I drink so much tea on the tracks, it was warm, it was like very nice and tasty, and uh yeah that that's how I uh, made it through the Evers region,
1: yeah, so. I normally never put sugar in like my coffee or my tea either, except for as soon as I I got to Nepal, you just get, number one, I think you get just get so used to it. But second, I feel like you're just burning calories so fast here with all the treks and the high altitude and the cold that you just end up thinking like, you know what? It's fine. Like, I'll, I'll be okay. Did, did you end up losing or gaining weight here in, in Nepal? Um,
0: well, at first, I lost weight during the trek. But then I found it a very nice excuse to eat more. Like, when I was back, like, oh, now I deserve more food because I lost weight. And yeah, But it, so I might have evened it out already. Uh, but it's good that I'm going to go on another trek. You might have heard, like, Johnny, he just did the Annapurna region. So uh, I'm probably going to leave soon and do that too. As hopefully I'll lose some weight then and I'll be nice and skinny when I go back to Holland.
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure you'll be fine. But that's pretty insane that you did the Everest trek. And actually not just Everest base camp, but you also did the three passes. And then now you're going to do the Anapurna circuit as well. So in total, how many days have you done so far and how many days are you going to do now?
0: Um, so the planning for the Everest region was like 20 days, but we ended up doing it within 17. So that was uh, like a bit faster than expected, but you never know with the altitude. Um, and the Annapurna region, I'm not sure. Uh, so my flight is within three weeks. So whatever I do, I need to be back within three weeks. Uh, so it's going to be another like 15, 16 days, I suppose, until make it back. So I
1: think that's insane. I think like... For a lot of people listening at home, you know, going on a one-day full-day trek is already a lot. You know, going on an overnight trek is, you know, very seldom heard of. Going on like a two, three, four, five-day trek is crazy. Going on a two-three-week trek is just like insane. Like back in Holland, is this something that you would ever do, or you ever hear about anyone doing?
0: um so no 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 like holland is very flat so people don't go trekking like uh yeah people just walk they like walking but never like uh in elevation or like we already complain when we have to cycle up a bridge or something, or something like that like uh yeah we're not used to any heights uh so no one really does that and i i like when i came to nepal i wasn't really sure what i was going to do but, like i was just going to go with the flow and uh, see so I met a friend and he was doing Everest region. And I was like, well, oh, okay, I could join. Sure. And then he was like, Oh, I want to do three passes as well. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I wasn't really expecting to do this. And then I booked it and I was kind of scared, but, uh, yeah, I made it in the end. So that, 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 that's awesome. Like I, I didn't expect I could do it. And I could like uh, eventually I made it apparently. So, uh, yeah, um, I guess it didn't hold me back, even though I had no experience doing two three week trek
1: well, congratulations, I'm very proud of you uh, what was base camp like, and what was the three passes like?
0: So, I think the three passes were amazing, like you walk on glaciers like several glaciers, uh pretty ones, not so pretty ones uh you hit in snowstorms um. But you always survive. Like, I had a guide who, uh like, showed me the way. Uh, I think that's quite necessary if you hit a, a storm. So, I, I love the three passes, but the base camp, I don't know, it's something I feel like tourists do just to be able to say, like, oh, I've been to Everest base camp. And people know the Mount Everest, obviously, so they'll, they'll be like, whoa, you did very well, but... I don't know. The, the Everest Base Camp isn't as high as the Annapurna Circuit, or yeah, the view—it's like it's a pretty glacier you can see from there, but it's not as great as as uh, going over the passes or uh, like uh, any other bit of the Everest region, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that when you when you do the other tracks, you can still see Mount Everest, and if anything, you can you might be able to get an even better view of Mount Everest as well as the the Himalayas on even and like on even a track that might not even be so high, I think you're right. I think most people go to Everest Base Camp just to say they've been to Everest Base Camp, you know. But at the same time, it is a very cool accomplishment that you can kind of put on uh, your bucket list. Is there anything else on your bucket list that you haven't checked off yet?
0: Uh, yeah, there's, there's one very high up, which is Iceland. Um, Iceland is supposed to be amazing, so it's supposed to have like glaciers as well as uh I don't know um beautiful scenery uh mountains uh geysers uh hot pools anything like uh yeah it sounds like a dream to me uh the only thing that's holding me back is that um the daylight is very very little uh in winter or like towards december or um, like that part of the year and that's often when I have the time to go there since in summer i'll be guiding everyone around and um yeah everywhere so yeah at iceland it's it's very very high on my bucket list even though it's part of europe and fairly close like a five-hour flight but um yeah it's not even expensive like 150 euros or so for a return ticket but um yeah it's supposed to be great it's it's gonna happen sooner or later
1: yeah, so the flight might not be expensive to Iceland, but everything else there I've heard is very expensive from, you know, a dorm room costing 40, 50 euros a night or maybe more hotel rooms costing, you know, $200 plus, even even meals. Uh, I think somebody showed a, a receipt from McDonald's that it was like $30 for a Happy Meal or something and – or maybe a Big Mac meal. But um my buddy Sam Marks, uh, who co-hosts my other podcast, Invest Like a Boss – He's trying to convince me to go to Iceland with him this summer, actually. And he wants to bicycle all around Iceland, which sounds like a very Dutch thing to do. What Would you do that?
0: Well, I love biking, but I love flat biking. So I guess if you go around the island, like uh, stay close to the sea, it might be fairly flat. But I've heard it's very, very cold. So I don't like cold either. Like... um yeah, it, it might snow and rain and all that. And being on a bike while doing that, I don't know. I was thinking about just a road trip like or like a van or so I could sleep in. I don't have to pay for a dorm and just get a van and sleeping there. That that sounds like the best way for me to do it. But um yeah, if you want to cycle, go ahead. It might be a very, very nice challenge, you know.
1: Maybe I'll have uh, Sam follow me on his bicycle while I'm in a van. <laughs> I think that might be the best plan. And actually... If you check my uh, my YouTube history, it seems like I have this weird addiction where I've been watching these van life videos where people buy these Sprinter vans. Uh, I think they do with the other vans too, but it looks like the Mercedes Sprinter van is kind of the, the what I would do. Where it has a high roof, it's like a comfortable car, you can actually just drive around. So it's not like a school bus that's really difficult to drive. But they convert it into these beautiful tiny homes where they have a f- like a full-size or queen-size bed and they have a small kitchen and some of them even have bathrooms and showers in them and they just really look like a nice like studio apartment inside these vans have you seen those
0: um i haven't really seen them no and not not, not the very luxury ones at least like i've traveled with some vans and slept in some vans but they were like the wicked vans you might know them uh the the spray-painted wicked vans um in Australia and uh, in Chile, I have one as well. Um, so they're just yeah rubbish fans, but I don't know a, a, a Sprinter van seems seems quite uh, wow. I can see I can see the 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 images on Google now. Johnny's showing me, but wow, they seem like a very very nice vans. You should look it up yourself, like on Google Images, Sprinter van conversion. It's like a small hotel. Yeah. That seems like a reasonable do- thing to do in Iceland. Instead of paying a dorm of 40 euros, you might be able to uh, just get a van and, and invest in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And most people that are doing this are actually in America. And it's actually funny. It's uh, usually non Americans that are going, that go to America uh, for like three months or six months. They build one of these vans kind of from scratch and they just like drive around the whole US and. Um, you know, I guess it's, cause it's so expensive to, to stay in hotels in the U.S. Even camping permits are expensive. Like sometimes in the U.S., it's like $25 to $40 a night just to put, a, just to be able to put your tent while you can park your, your van anywhere and just sleep in it. So I think that's a cool idea. It's something that I want to do in the U.S. one day when I, whenever I go back, but I don't know when that'll be. Um, but yeah, so for Iceland, that's something I want to do as well. Those hot springs look amazing. Uh, I think it's something to, to do as a couple as well. So, you know, if you guys have a significant other, I think that's a great place to, to visit or plan to with your, your future imaginary girlfriend or boyfriend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Like, uh, I, there are so many states, so many states in America and, uh, there is so much distance to travel and, I'd say that a van would really be the outcome of that like um you could just stay there and see everything and not be not having to pay for it all of it that'd be great like uh, there's even the kitchen in there so you could even cook you don't even have to go out for dinner every day
1: Yeah and another actual travel hack is uh, Walmart allows you to p- to sleep overnight in their parking lots for I think up to 2 nights uh, so you can technically drive all around the entire US and just stop in Walmart parking lots because they're pretty much everywhere. And I think this is a, a, like a well-known hack in like the RV community. But for what I really like about these sprinter vans is because they just look like a normal work van from the front, from outside. And you can, you know, basically get blackout curtains and tint the windows. You can actually park on the street and nobody will even know you're there. Uh, and because you have your bathroom inside, you never have to like go out in the middle of the night, you know, to use the, the toilet uh, you can have like air vents on the roof, so you can get like f- you know fresh air flowing. You can have heaters inside, so when you're somewhere cold, you can you can stay warm. It's really cool. Like I h- highly encourage everyone to check out one of the the videos on uh, YouTube. Just look for van life. I think it's also uh, probably hashtag van life everywhere. But you'll notice almost everybody there is a couple, uh, and I think it's because you know it gets lonely dr- driving across the U. S. for three months if you just by yourself. Um, so I think ideally I'd want to do this if I'm in a relationship and maybe if I have a dog because I think that, that'll that be like the ultimate uh, van life uh, life.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Like, yeah, maybe who knows in a van with a dog, like walk outside just being able to uh, go anywhere. With the dog, and I don't know, sounds like a great idea. However, you do need some more space in your van for your dog, as well as where, um, wh- where does all the litter go? You need to, like, sort of dump that anywhere. And I'm just wondering, like, don't, don- don- yeah, you won't get steal, probably. Like, you won't be robbed when you're parked in a van like that, when you've got tinted glass windows, and that, that should be fine, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, there's a lot of people that do it already now. I, mean, I think there's like a whole community. So I think it would be okay. Um, but I think the downside of con- committing to van life right now for me is losing the, the freedom to travel. I mean, I guess I could always park it somewhere, but it's a big investment. Uh, I think they cost quite a bit to to build and convert. You know. You can buy the vans used, but I would imagine you still end up spending like $60,000 buying the van, converting it, uh, which is great because... You know, basically, you know, you can save on rent in the U.S., which might be 1500 or $2,000 a month. Uh, you can also sell the van afterwards, but it, it is a big commitment. And right now, I'd much rather use that time and that money to be able to fly to another country, stay, you know, here in a, in a hostel for $13 a night with a private room or, you know, $4 a night for um, a, a bed. Um, than to have that commitment. Uh, also, you know, because you're away for three months at a time, you probably can't have a dog, right?
0: No, no, I, I won't be able to have a dog. Even though, I, like, dogs are my favorite animal, so I'd love to have a dog, but no, no. no but th- th- I suppose that's that's the good thing. It won't, it won't actually, if you have one of those vans, you won't be able to not travel, because that's what all you do, pretty much. So I don't think that's a good excuse to not do it, like... Uh, you have a van and you've got, you don't even have to stay in the US. You could just travel. You could take it, ship it to Europe and then go, go. I don't know, there and, and, and just park it anywhere. I'm pretty sure you could just park it for a night everywhere, like on the parking lot, and uh, they won't even care. They won't even notice. So, um, yeah, you could try in Europe as well and then you can experience how it is to just be able to get to another country within an hour or two or.
1: Yeah, actually, what I'd probably do is I would probably just sell the van and then just either buy or build another one in Europe, Uh, especially because in the U.S. we have left-hand drive. Uh So I think that would be a little bit bit confusing. But, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Um, And I think in Europe it would be even cooler because you can drive literally the, the whole continent and there's so many countries you can see. If you got really adventurous, you can drive through like Kazakhstan or something down to Asia. So that could be really fun. So that's something I definitely might uh, see on my future. And um, I think a lot of people are wondering now: How did you get this uh, this job of yours? Because that seems like a I think a dream job for a lot of people to be able to travel to all these cool places, uh, you know, and have it, you know, not only be free but also to be able to make some money from it.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, was in South America last year. No, that they, or the year before that. But I was, um, I was about to go back to Holland and I was like, well, why would I want to go back to Holland? Like, I know my life there. It's not very exciting and I'll have the same friends. And I love my friends. Like, really, I do. I love them to death. Like, I, I've, I've known that life and I like this, uh, this traveling, exciting life. And I was sort of just, um, there and I was like, well, I could just at least try, like, um, we have a saying in, in Holland that's niet geschoot is altijd miss which means if you don't shoot, it's always um, like uh, wrong. Like if you don't shoot the the error at the um, at the red point in the darts, uh, if you don't shoot at all, you won't you won't be able to uh, to make it. So um, so I just applied online for uh, a few guiding jobs in Holland uh, that seemed reasonably um okay and seemed like a a job that i would i would want and uh, i wrote a motivational letter fully convinced of of that i was capable uh of doing that and i would enjoy it and they would enjoy me and um yeah so they hired me and 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 you know like one thing leads to another and they they just give me a try trial in in like i started in slovenia and if the people that you guide love you then you're fine and they did so yay
1: well very good congratulations on that uh how many um i guess applications did you send out like how many companies did you apply for
0: uh not so many um like five i was really convinced i was um able to do that job and convince I would like the job as well. Like, not just sending out to any company. I would want like a company that suits me. Um, like, I'm, I'm not the beachy kind of person. Like, I love beaches, but, um, we also have like a lot of holidays being sold in Holland, uh, where they go drink alcohol on the beach. And that's pretty much what they do for the whole holiday. And that's not what I want. Like, that's not what the jobs I applied for uh were like. Uh they were all like adventurous and young and abroad and like really doing something. And um yeah that's that's why I applied for those and I expressed all this uh in my motivational letter and apparently it convinced them to hire me. Uh like I got a, a three interviews out of five so that was pretty good and I just chose the one that um suited me best and now I'm very happy doing this job. Sorry.
1: Yeah it's cool I think that's a good uh kind of job applying tip for everybody, regardless of what job you're applying for, whether it's in travel or really for anything. Don't be one of those resume spammers where you just send out your resume or C V to a hundred places because You're probably not going to get that many callbacks if you do. Uh, If you do, it might not be for a job you actually want anyways. And honestly, it's just kind of a big waste of time for, for everyone. You know, it's a waste of time for you, but it's also annoying and a waste of time to your employer. Like as someone who's hired for jobs before, I can tell right away if somebody just sent me their resume without any real thought, you know, or they sent me like a generic cover letter, which, you know, isn't really specific. But if someone really takes the time to, you know, like write a cover letter or motivational letter um, saying why they want the job, that they actually kind of prove to me that they actually, this is like specifically the job they want, or at least on the shortlist, then I would be much more likely to want to call them in for an interview or to to hire them. Uh, So it sounds like, you know, this is kind of something that you, you figured out not only for this travel job, but also um, future jobs in general. Do you think there was anything else that you did specifically to, to help you get this job?
0: I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, I was just being very convinced that this is what I wanted. And I don't know, I was very bubbly and all that. Like when I was um, talking to them, that they need a guy that's like very uh social and very outgoing and and can go along like with uh, like anything like can go along with any kind of people and uh really knows uh how to understand those people so um i don't know uh, maybe uh, i got along with uh the kids of my boss very well so that that's good like uh, i could also understand kids the, he's uh, like a 2 year old and a 4 year old so i don't know Like uh, there was very small kids. So maybe, maybe that was it, but maybe it wasn't. I I, I can't tell you really.
1: Yeah, I like it. And actually one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast this week is lately, you know, we've had a lot of kind of alternative uh, travel kind of hacks. And I don't like to call it a hack, but like ways to travel without necessarily being either like the normal where you just save up money and go traveling uh, or even the digital nomad route. Which is, you know, you run a business while traveling. So on episode 191, uh, we had uh, Thomas Barlow talk about seasonal jobs, where you know you can basically work f- for one month on, one month on, one month off, and during that month off, you can, you know, basically get a free plane ticket back home, or you can use that same amount of credit to go anywhere else in the world. So you're able to basically travel every other month, um, you know, while working in a Usually in an undesirable place like you know somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere um, where you're kind of far away from, from your friends and family. So you can either go home to visit or you can go on vacation. Or I guess what you could do is you know change it up. So one month you go home, one month you go on vacation. So this is just another example of a way that you guys can start traveling now. Because I know a lot of people listening to this are home. They might have a job that they hate. They might be stuck in a situation where they think they don't have the money to travel that they don't have, um, you know, any real hope. My goal is to introduce you guys to as many alternative, you know, life paths, um, and really show that there's no excuses not to, not to travel. Like, what, what in Holland is it? Is it similar to this, where you have a lot of friends, you know, people you know, they're like, oh, I wish I can do this, but I can't because you know X, Y, Z. Um.
0: Yeah. So it happens a lot. Well, we Dutch people we do like to travel and um so my parents have always told me like oh i wish i did the same when i was your age etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know the deal um but um yeah so my friends they're more settled down most of them um but i have they they have the excuse but i have a boyfriend or we're living together a steady job and all that and uh, it's true i suppose and uh, no everyone is 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 made for travelling as like if, if you don't like the adventure bit then and I guess it's not not for you but I guess everyone should try at least once to know what it is like and whether you can you you need to be able to say that it's something you 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 can do or you can't do or it's not for you or it's for you like you need to be able to experience it and even if it's just, I don't know, three weeks, take three weeks off. I know that's a lot in America, I think. In Holland, we've got like eight weeks off in a year, so it's pretty good. And just just go somewhere, maybe alone or maybe don't, and uh, and see whether you like it. And go to some place that you never thought you would go. I did the same with Nepal. I, I, I don't know why I chose Nepal. It was just different from any other country, I thought, and... Yeah, I've heard great stories and, and now I'm here and I feel great and I'm excited. And um, yeah, I, I, I guess no one should be stuck or feel stuck, at least, um, in their home country. If you, if you have that feeling, then, then go out and experience it. I, I guess everyone says so, but that's really the thing uh, you have to do, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think... If someone is 100% content being at home, we shouldn't force them to say, oh, you have to go travel, you have to do this. But at the same time, it really bothers me when I have friends that I know they want to travel, I know they want to do stuff, and then they complain that they can't. And usually it's, you know, like if you're in a relationship and the other person can't take the time off, you know what, just take two, three weeks and just go on your own. Like it's Like if your relationship can't, so, you know, withstand three weeks of being apart, it's probably not going to last anyways. I hate to break to you. Uh, but if you're always kind of waiting for the perfect time, it might not ever happen. So I would just encourage everyone to stop having excuses and go after after what they want. Uh, but something else that you mentioned really blew my mind. In the U.S., we get two weeks off per year on vacation. And in your mind, you might think, okay, that's 14 days. But really, it's only 10 days off because they're including the weekends that we get off anyways. And uh, a lot of times you can't even really take that off until you've been with the company for one or two years. How, how does it work in Holland? Do people get, does everybody get eight weeks off? Because that sounds like a lot. That's like two months off per year. That's two months off and 10 months of working.
0: Um, So it depends per job, obviously. Like um, teachers get the holidays that the students have. And that can be very, very nice. Like uh, we have, I think, a week off around October, like Halloween time, a week off, and December, two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's, um, and another week off around Easter or so, and and there's some, like, uh, holidays, like King's Day, and uh, the 4th and 5th of May, which is like our 4th of July kind of day, uh, like a Freedom Day, we call it, um, so everyone's off then as well, and yeah, um, yeah, so there's Easter and stuff. So there are quite some days that all pretty much most jobs are off. And then in summer you get another four weeks maybe. Nah, maybe, yeah, depends per job. So eight, job, uh, eight weeks is, is fairly high. Uh, but for uh, teachers it's probably like um, ten maybe even. Uh, cause in summer they get like seven weeks off or so, like a full two months, maybe even, I don't know. Um, so it depends per job, but we get more off than two weeks of the year for sure. For sure. Like, uh, I guess the average is maybe six weeks. So,
1: so the other thing that we don't have in the U S and I, I honestly never even really heard of until I started traveling like way later, I think I was like 28 already is the, The theory of a gap year. So in the U.S., you go to middle, like you go to elementary school, you go to middle school, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get a job, and that is it. It is unheard of to take a year off between high school and college uh, to do a gap year because, first off, I think I don't know if our colleges allow it, but it just kind of feels weird because you feel like you're you're older than everyone when you when you do start college, you just kind of feel like you're left out or something's wrong. And then after college, before you start working, everybody's so afraid that they're not going to be able to find a job, but also that we'll have so many corporate student loans that we're just not going to be able to to take a year off. And I think the biggest fear is that if we do take a year off, how are we going to explain that to our employer saying, oh yeah, you know, I went to travel for a year. Because it almost kind of, in the American culture, it makes us look bad that we're like not dedicated that we're not going to be a good employee that we're going to ask for a lot of vacations is it it's not like that in holland right like it's pretty normal for everyone to take a year off
0: yeah this is very weird to hear i've I've never i've never noticed um no, no no it's very very common to have a gap year um i have two so either after high school um they take a gap year or yeah most of the time it's either like right in your university uh time so so after like 2 years of university you take a gap year and then finish university afterwards for another 2 years like that happens but um so i did t- take two gap years just now after university but yeah the thing that withholds maybe m- most people in america is the money cuz you pay so much more money for you sh- like you you're stuck with a uh, a depth for the rest of your life really and um that's not the case in Holland at least uh we get like a study finance um so it's already less expensive to study in in um in Holland and so we get sponsored by the government as well if you're a student you get some some money and it depends on what your parents uh earn so if they earn a lot then you don't get any money but so we get some sort of financial feedback um, so we we can sort of more easily afford uh, our 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 time uh, as a student like the the study itself as well as like living expenses so in this way it supports the students uh, to go studying like like almost everyone continues after high school so it's not necessarily university it could also be like a a lower degree, but most people um, they they go on after. Um, but yeah, they take a gap year. It happens so much, so so, so much in Holland. Like it's it's very usual. Um, but that only happened like in the last couple of years. Um, not like ten or fifteen years ago, it wouldn't happen as much. But I guess globalization just um, makes it a lot easier to go anywhere for quite a cheap price. You know, like uh, cheaper flights and. Um, yeah so it's more affordable and 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 I think employees in uh or employers in 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 Holland they don't see it as a as a bad sign that you've traveled they see it as experience um like you know more about um the culture abroad and and a lot of jobs in Holland are focused on other cultures anyway like on other countries and yeah, anything. Like, uh, we're such a small country. We, our economy is based on pretty much the rest of the world. So, this series that's a good sign that you've traveled, I think.
1: So, what's really funny to me is the amount of Dutch people I meet while traveling. It seems like you guys are everywhere. And your total population of your entire country is only 17 million people, versus the US has 325 million, <gasps> million people. Yet, anywhere i go i meet way more dutch people than i meet americans why do you think that is
0: yeah yeah i, f- I feel the same like i keep meeting dutch people all over and i think it's a shame for well, well this might be very very individualistic for me to say but i i don't like meeting dutch people as much because i'm i'm on holiday or sort of i'm traveling i want to see other cultures and then I keep bumping into dutch people everywhere <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, we're we're a small country. We don't have many people, but yeah, we're, we're all over the place. That's why, like, we're we're dependent on all other countries, and it's very very common for us to travel. Um, yeah, and this this just shows the figure shows like um we don't have many people, but pretty much everyone of our age uh, either has traveled or um uh, is traveling right now.
1: The other thing you you mentioned about the student loan debt, I guess, is a. Uh is a big factor. How much did you end up owing after school? And actually how much does it cost kind of on average, either per semester or per year, to go to maybe university?
0: Um so I still have a depth of like maybe I can't really tell. Maybe ten thousand euros. Um but I haven't paid it back. Uh but that's I don't know. There's there's a very, very small uh percentage i have to pay over that amount like it's 0.05 or so um uh, so it's not increasing um very heavily uh so that's why i'm I'm actually waiting for my my travel years to have passed and i have like a, a very stable income like a full year stable income so i haven't paid it back yet but there's no rush because i don't have to pay much more um an average year I don't know it costs maybe it depends on the study and the university um the degree anything but for my degree I paid maybe two thousand for a year yeah so that's like the student fee I suppose for a year um and then you get like the study finance so you get it from the government at first to be able to pay your loan and your your rent for for your room and etc um, and that's like another. I don't know. It's also like a few, a few thousand euros you get from the government, but that, that's that's the debt I have. So I have it not towards the university, but towards the government. I have a debt that I have to pay them back. But yeah, I'm pretty confident it will just uh, work out. And you can increase the study finance. You can ask to loan more money as well um, if you're in need. Like uh, in my my uh, time abroad in Australia, I uh, loaned like a thousand euros per month extra um because Australia is just very expensive you know like I paid almost like a thousand euros per month on on my room uh, which was a very small room and I don't know it was just very expensive living there so I needed a, a, a higher loan uh, but that just adds up to my depth so yeah um th- that's that's how the finances are like it's not it's not so bad really not so bad as America
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy that You guys pay less than 1% interest. I just looked it up in the US. We pay between 3.76 to 4.66% interest, which is pretty freaking high, especially because, you know, a savings account in a bank is paying less than 1%. So this is a really easy way for people to stay in debt forever, especially because the average student in the US leaves college with thirty seven thousand dollars in student loan debt and a lot of people they leave it with much more. So I think for me it was just around that amount. I think I had about, you know, thirty five or forty thousand dollars in student loan debt. And it's I mean, it's a real easy way to feel like you're stuck and that you can't travel, that you can't take a risk starting a business. You can't take a risk taking a, you know, a travel job or lower paying job to you know enjoy life now but i think the bigger risk is going our whole lives kind of playing that safe side and never doing anything because that's almost guaranteed that you will you won't follow your dreams that you won't be able to to go on those dream destination trips you know until maybe you're 65 and maybe by then you might not physically be able to do it so if you have a goal to be able to trek in a place like Nepal go to everest base camp or do the Annapurna circuit or see the himalayas do it now because it's not going to get any easier uh, as you get older uh, it's possible you know i met some you know retirees um who you know are 65 who are doing some of the treks but i guarantee it's a lot harder than when you're in your 20s or your 30s
0: yeah i'd like to say so uh, i did meet a group of like um they were saving money, uh, for a sort of, uh, can- cancer association. I can't remember the name. That's a shame. But they were walking, like, even with their disease, they were walking up to Afro Space Camp, uh, to, like, to raise money for, uh, for that association. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it must have been so hard for them. I, I've, I've met them. I think we were at like three or four thousand. Um, like elevation, meters elevation. I don't know how many feet that is. I have no clue. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so I, I was just, uh, so flabbergasted about their motivational spirit, um, that they were gonna make it up there. Like, um, two, two of the people there, um, actually had, had, uh, the disease and, uh, the others, they were just raising the money. But, um, yeah, it was just, so even, even if you're a bit older, even if you are physically not as, uh, as capable, I think it's all about the, the, the spirit itself, um, taking it easy. And, 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 and if you want it bad enough, you might be able to get it, like to make it up there as long as you take your time and, um, and, and listen to your body, I suppose. Um, so, but yeah, like obviously it's so much easier when you're younger. Um, physically and I suppose mentally as well, um, but um, that doesn't mean that you can't do it when you're older.
1: Yeah, and I, actually, I, I think I saw studies that said that uh, the majority of people who get altitude sickness on these treks are in the 20s and 30s, and they have a feeling that it's because uh, older people would just walk slower. Uh, they're also, you know, usually a bit wiser, <laughs> where they are more cautious about looking for symptoms and, you know, studying um, the, the, you know, what to do when you got altitude sickness. So usually they just don't get it as often because as soon as they have a symptom, they just stop, uh, or they follow the directions to go down, um, to the next, you know, to lower village while people in their twenties, uh, or thirties, you know, just like, ah, I'll be fine. Let I me mean, just keep going. But they fall to peer pressure and just keep following the group and actually just, during breakfast uh, this morning, I met a guy and he had his glasses shattered or had a big uh, crack in, in his glasses and I asked him, oh, what happened? And he said, oh, I got altitude sickness on um, Annapurna Circuit and I just like fell uh, face first.
0: Yeah, the, the glasses didn't look very pretty. That's right. So it, it's true. Like um, you have to be very... Uh, you have to listen to your body, you know. Like if if you, if you can't take it, don't don't overdo it. And uh, yeah, like I said so many times, just, just take it easy. And uh, but if the motivation is there, um, you can stay another night. You can stay another two or three nights, whatever. And then then try again. And if it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. Like uh, turn back while you still can. Um, but at least you've tried, and you've made it as far as your body would allow you to go. So. Yeah, even though everyone here has done some sort of trekking, I feel yeah, no, like it's 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 still like a, a big thing to do even though because everyone's doing it here, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it is like um it's uh it's physically and mentally uh, quite a challenge to to make it up uh the Annapurna or Everest region.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it almost sometimes when you're here because it's so common that Sometimes people think, oh, it's not as big of a deal because it's so common. But it doesn't make it any less challenging. It doesn't make it any less dangerous. It doesn't make it any less um, rewarding. So I would suggest to everyone, you know, know that it's possible. Know that, you know, a lot of people do it. So the trails are well marked and the infrastructure is there. But it's still going to be a personal challenge for you uh, and for anyone, for everyone who goes up. Um, My best piece of advice is to have extra time because uh, I think that's the number one thing that screws people is if they have a really limited amount of time, they're forced to either start higher up so they don't have the time to acclimatize or they feel forced to stay on schedule and, and hike uh, faster than they should or longer days than they should and you know gain more elevation per day than they should or they don't have the time to to rest uh, or recover um, if they do start getting some symptoms. and. I think just in general, like in in all travel, all all of life is. It's always good to have a few buffer days wherever you go. Uh, any any tips for for people during all these travels, uh, whether it's you know about Nepal or kind of just in general?
0: What I tend to forget myself is that I need to enjoy the moments, like um, enjoy where you are, enjoy what you are doing. Like sometimes you forget that you've got like a, a life back home, or you get sort of lost in your traveling and. But you can, like, enjoy the little things. Like, um... Even if it's just a good breakfast this morning or whatever. And I keep forgetting that I'm traveling and I'm not at work and I'm not responsible to any any anyone. Um I'm doing this for me, you know. And sometimes I tend to forget. And I think it's very, very important to to enjoy as much as you can, like, uh, while trekking or whatever. Like, uh... Do it because you want it to, not because anyone else wants you to, or... Because people expect you to uh, just do whatever you feel like. And I guess that's that's the main thing all the solo travelers do. Like They just do whatever they feel like and don't act um, because other people expect you to act like that or whatever.
1: I like it. So thank you today, uh, Maria, because it's been really fun. I want to acknowledge you for your adventures and your travels and being, you know, so courageous to, to travel on your own, do all these cool treks and do all these amazing things. I wish you the best of luck on the Annapurna circuit that you're going to be going on. I do think you're crazy that you're doing, that you did both the Everest base camp, the three passes, and then now the third track on uh, Annapurna circuit. The last thing I want to ask you, which we ask, we've been asking everyone recently is I want to just give you the mic for, you know, two minutes and I want you just to mention anything that that you want everyone to know, whether it's like your favorite gear or your favorite apps or your favorite books or your favorite anything. Just like dump it out there, whatever, you know, things that you want people to know about, things that you recommend, things that you love, uh, life tips, packing tips, whatever it is.
0: Thank you. It was great to be on the show. Um, I've never done anything like this, so that's also a reason why you should travel. You bump into things that you never thought you would do. Um, and I think that's, that's also very important when traveling. Just, uh, you're there at that point and just, um, go for it, you know? Like, uh, why, why wouldn't you? Why, why, what's holding you back? Just say yes once in a while, you know? I don't know. Apps I loved. I don't know. Maps me. Maps me is awesome. You must know. Like, um, everyone has it. Um, it's better than Google Maps or whatever. It's just an app. You download the map and you, you're covered for the whole country. It's great. Other things I love, I don't know, packing cubes or whatever. Like they're just so functional. I love them. Um Just a head torch. It's, it seems dorky, but whenever you're camping or on, on, on a camping or whatever uh, in a hostel at late at night, uh, I don't know. It's just so functional. Head torch. It seems so silly, but it is. Uh things like that I don't know. I could never go without them, even on a track, like uh you have to carry it all in your backpack, but I would definitely take a packing cube or one or two or 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 the hat torch, like things like that, or else, yeah, I think uh, um, you shouldn't be scared for anything that's gonna happen or will happen or it will happen whenever it happens, you know, um, and, and everyone's always very help- helpful, even if they don't speak your language, like, here in Nepal, I have been to some places where they don't speak any uh, English, and they still want to help you, either way, like, um, with just hands and feet, you'll you'll make your way through, like, uh, I was talking to uh, my mom, she's like, oh yeah, um, what are you going to do without your phone, because I don't have any reception here, like, uh, I don't have a local sim card. I have nothing really. But that's just the thing. Like There are always people around. There are always people to ask. There are always people to, wanting to help you. And maybe you'll have a bad day. You can't stay in a proper place. Or maybe you'll have a... I don't know. Two days ago I had a bus ride of like 14 hours. Which should have taken like 4 or 5. Uh, yeah, some things uh, just don't work out sometimes. But you always end up somewhere. And you always have... There's always some food around, and yeah, and if if you sh- even if you don't have food for a day, well, the next day you will have some food. Whatever, like uh, yeah, sometimes life sucks, but um, the next day will be better. And um, yeah, I think uh, no one should uh should stay in a place they don't want to, and just go for whatever they want, go after your dreams, and yeah, um, that was it really.
1: Well, Donkey Bell. I'm uh, really happy you came on the on the podcast. Uh, are you on Instagram or Twitter? Do you have a blog or anywhere that you, you want people to follow you, or would you rather stay uh, offline?
0: Um, yeah, I'll I'll stay anonymous. That's probably best. Yeah, thank you.
1: But if you ever in holland uh look for the uh tall skinny blonde girl and i'm sure on the bicycle and i'm sure you, you'll find uh Mira there uh but yeah but thanks to everyone for for listening i hope you guys enjoyed it please leave a review uh on the itunes store um, on spotify wherever you listen uh and spread the word because it's fun doing these episodes and i want more people to hear them so i will see all of you guys next week until then stay bossy